This is the Strength and Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain, here we are, episode 53. Back. Yay. Make sure to leave us a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And check out our new merch store. The link will be in the link tree for Strength and Anger t-shirts, sweatshirts, and stickers. It's going right into the shameless promo. I like it, man. Yes, shameless promo. <laughs> Any loose ends from past week's episodes, Mr. Bain? Uh, not a ton. I think uh, you know we got some generally positive feedback from our 2020 uh, year in review. Highly recommend you listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, but I think a lot of people are they're looking forward to 2021. I think... Uh, you know, the audience that we created from uh, 2020 definitely, uh, you know, appreciate all the support and you know, people like the subjects. And I think now as we you know, come out of the pandemic, uh, people are excited to, to see what else we can put uh, put out there. And uh, so definitely uh, everything positive so far. Okay. Uh, and other than that, Mr. Bain, what is going on? Uh, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm heading to Vegas again next week. Uh, very excited for that. I'll be flying out. Uh, Vegas. Woo! Vegas, yeah. Uh, oh, always excited to go there. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy going to Vegas and you know seeing friends out there. I'll get to train out there at Back Alley Barbell and uh, have some fun. So uh, I think uh, our boy Rudy Rosales may or may not be going out there as well. Cannot confirm more than I, but it uh, should be a good time. And uh, So if you're looking for overkill gear, head yeah. out to Vegas uh, yeah. very soon. And maybe uh, you could catch him at uh, the Golden Nugget or something and get maybe. Fitted, fitted for some reefs. You know, maybe. You know? maybe. Also, uh, gear's fucking hard. <laughs> Like, it's I, – I, I know there's – I know those people are going to laugh at that. And, and, you know, I've been already told many, many times, hey, welcome to Equip Powerlifting. I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, but, yeah, so I, a lot of the stuff I'm doing either, you know, away from everybody else or, like, outside of, like, people's, you know, typical training cycles or whatever. And so I'm doing a lot of the stuff with, you know, I guess minimal supervision, I guess is the best way to put it. And, uh, you know – it, it is hard. It is a difficult thing to uh, to get used to. And so it, not that I ever thought that it was in any way easy, uh, but I continue to gain more and more appreciation for those who, you know, are, are much more masterful at it than I am. And so, uh, yeah, gear's, gear's fucking hard, man. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Bain, my recommendation is uh, make sure you get your briefs seated right up into the crotchal area. Yeah, we were a little low on the uh, – on on the last time I had him on, so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Okay, very good, very good. So, uh, Stone, what's going on with you? Well, I, I'm uh, an eternal procrastinator, and I needed to recertify with the National Strength Conditioning Association, my mm-hmm. certified strength conditioning specialist certification, I guess. Um, I did uh, probably about a third of my CEUs on New Year's Eve. Now, in my defense... I was planning on having a, we were planning, mm-hmm. uh, 2XL was planning on having an NSCA state clinic here first in June and then postponed to December and then like canceled because they yeah. couldn't have any in-person seminar. So that canceled. was, very gone. that was going to fill up about, of what I had left, that would have filled up about two thirds of the one third I needed. So about 60% of what I ended up having to fill in and CEUs is continuing education units, mm-hmm. just yep. kind of like any kind of licensure or certification or most professions you have to like 
take classes, do seminars, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so I had to do a bunch of online quizzes, which were kind of nail biters at the end because I definitely didn't have time to listen to like the full four hour clinic that these, these quizzes were based on. So I kind of had to, you know, skim through them the old, uh, the old look at the questions, then find the answer style. Sure. Um, but I did get it done. So that's good. Nice. Um, and I have started work on looking for featured lifters for our pressing the pieces together event. Um, I've made contact with the Autism Society of America, as is usual with them. And I love non-for-profits, but they just operate, we'll say differently than for-profit Di- businesses. Different pace. Different pace. And so they're once again changing their format or whatever, their system. So <sighs> I'm guessing we probably won't get the fundraising pages up until at least the end of the month, which I'd like to get registration up ASAP. So mm-hmm. I may just have to put registration up, have people sign up, and then do the fundraising pages later, which which is fine. Um, and, we, and we'd love suggestions for featured lifters. We have some some pretty big names I know Eric uh, has been working on. I've been helping out. There's a couple other ones that are uh, in the mix. But definitely we, we always are open to names of you know potential featured lifters, raw and equipped. Yeah, we, we want some top raw uh, raw and equipped lifters, male and female. It doesn't matter what federation they've lifted in before at mm-hmm. this point. Um, I mean, this will be an APF-sanctioned event, but uh, if they're a featured lifter and we want to you know, kind of have them help us promote the event, we will we will cover all of their fees. We're not going to cover their travel because mm-hmm. it is a charity event. Correct. But we will we will cover their fees related to uh, competing in the meet. Sure. So and it, it's an awesome cause. It really is, it does really great work, and it's uh, you know a really fun event too. I mean, we have raised Howard and I figured out we've raised at least fifty thousand dollars over the last five years. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, for the Autism Society, the first year we did the Autism Society of Illinois, which unfortunately is a a disfunct chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we raise it for Autism Society of America, just the national organization, which right. uh, my partner Howard uh, actually knew the the former director pretty well, or nice. executive director. I don't know what his actual title was. Um, and Howard served on the Autism Society of Illinois uh, executive board. Um, there's a story there, but it no longer exists, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, we've got a new segment tonight, Mr. Bay, and I just made the executive decision that uh, what is bullshit we're at least going to – I'm not going to say it's done because who knows. I mean – I'll say it's going It's it's going the Jordan retirement route. Yeah, it's going on the shelf. Um, it's going the Brian Carroll retirement maybe. <laughs> so we're going to – Where you get tired and then retired. Yeah, you get tired and then you get tired again and then you decide to just train again. <laughs> so um, we're going to go to the hashtag fake news segment. Fake news. Listen, you fake news. You fake news. So, Mr. Bain, what is – Fake news. Fake, fake news. Fake news. Well, that was way longer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, tracking apps for packages. So, you know, I, I order a lot of stuff online, and whether it's from small businesses, you know, l- larger than you know, Amazon, Walmart, that kind of stuff. I know you should be patronizing small businesses. You and Howard got called out on that on some post uh, earlier today. Um, but yeah, so I order a lot of stuff online. And there's a lot of apps that are... You know, designed. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that are designed to, you know, hopefully give you that quote unquote Amazon experience. The problem is that as they aggregate all this information, at the end of the day, it is a conglomerate conglomeration of a bunch of just really shitty data, and it's never in real time. It's never on demand, and really, it just takes you back to the to the carrier's website that is moving your stuff. And so the only positive with them is that it can aggregate everything 
if the supply chain is moving well. Well, guess what? It's fucking not. So ETAs, anything that has to do with like if you need a signature, I happen to order something that does require a signature uh, from somebody over 21 when it arrives at my house. This thing's ETA has changed no less than half a dozen times. And it is driving me insane. Would this be of the liquid variety? Uh, No, actually. Oh, okay. It, It is food. Oh, okay. Right, but it, it is it is not alcohol, um, although I do order alcohol sometimes online when I find stuff I like. And, but it is so frustrating where it's like, okay, if I want to come to the gym and they give me a window of from 4 until 10 p.m. where they could be at my house, well, that's going to be a problem because that would impact my ability to train, my ability to record. And so, yeah, these apps are very, very frustrating because then you also have no type of – you have no customer service with them they basically refer you back to the carrier, and then you have to go deal with the you know monolith that is UPS, FedEx, or DHL, or whomever. And so, uh, yeah, tracking apps for packages are fake news. Now, have you signed up for my UPS? Because I somehow like accidentally signed up for that. Oh yeah. And like, I would say that it's been pretty for me mm-hmm. coming here. It's been, I would say, UPS has been mediumly accurate with their delivery windows. That for certain things they are, and, and part of this is now getting into my my profession, right? Certain things they are, but certain other parcels where it's if it's a specialty item or it's coming from something that maybe isn't as a regular uh, shipper for a UPS, a FedEx, whomever, uh, they typically put them in the back burner. Like literally, I know that my items right now that I'm thinking of are sitting in a warehouse and have been for three days, and that is driving me insane. Yeah, that reminds me of when I ordered those chairs for the WPC World's WPO, oh, yeah. Yeah. and. They kept. They told me they were going to call me to mm-hmm. schedule, and then on the and I, and I I called the company because I had a couple companies I could go through, and I called one. and I said, "Hey, I need these by a certain date. It's a little last minute. I'll order it through if you can, you know, reasonably guarantee me it'll be before this particular day." Right. And I gave it an extra week because I realized, like you, you never know with delivery. Right. And so that let's say I needed them by probably if it was the WPC Worlds, I would have needed by Friday. Yeah. And so it was supposed to be delivered by Tuesday. So Tuesday, I call them. They're like, well, it's still down in Alabama. You know, you're going to have to call back tomorrow. Can, well, you tell, can you tell me where they are? Can you tell me what's going on? No, you got to call back tomorrow. Yep. Okay, so I call back tomorrow. They're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to come tomorrow. Uh, when do you want us to come? And I'm like, hold on. I was like, you told me that you were going to call me mm-hmm. to schedule a time when you're ready. And they transferred me three or four times. They didn't come that day. They call me the next day to schedule. This is Thursday now. Yeah. They call me to schedule. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll be there tomorrow. And the guy didn't show up. He gave me a window. I want to say 10 to 2, we'll say. Sure. Showed up at about 5 o'clock. Yeah. No and, and, I, and I get it. Like, there, there's a lot of things that go on with, you know, deliveries. And, and, and this is called less than truckload is what, you know, something like that would be where it's, you know, stuff on a pallet or it's, you know, a large package, whatever. Uh, huge package. But it, God, just I, I get it. I just I just want to know what's going on. Like I didn't like I don't need it in my I didn't need it in my hands that moment. But the communication factor was well well they will they the carrier will call because I'm talking to mm-hmm. the actual supplier the, the company that right. sells the, the chairs manufacturer right what do you Man, call well, I don't know that they're probably not the manufacturer whatever whatever right. but the the people I bought the chairs from right foldingchairsforless.com maybe or whatever they were yeah. Uh, if they'd like to sponsor the podcast, we're more than more yeah, than open more, to that. More, more than welcome to uh, to negotiate. <laughs> but you know, I'm dealing with the, the the small Joe Blow shipping company. It was not obviously UPS, FedEx, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we'll we'll call you. Okay. 
don't call me. Well, I call them. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be there tomorrow. I'm like, it could be Friday. I mean, it could even, like, we really didn't even need the chairs until really the WPO, which was the subsequent Wednesday. So you right. could have told me whatever day. I just would like to know so I can make sure I'm here like you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very frustrating. So, Stone, what is? Come on. Well, first of all, I'll go back to my Facebook post where I posted an article basically talking about how Amazon and Walmart and other big companies have record profits. And this article had the slant. Which, though, by the way, Amazon is going to save money on their taxes this year because it has bought 12 Boeing 767s today. Wow. Bought, not least. Wow. Well, that doesn't surprise me, though. No. We got to blow money so well. Yeah. Uh, and, and, the point, and the article had the slant of they have record profits and they're not paying their employees anymore, which I don't know that that's necessarily true because I thought I'd remember reading that Walmart had given raises to most of their employees. But but whatever, let, let's not even worry about that because I don't really... Well, they, that, they did talk about the raises that they got or it no, nothing comparable. It, it was definitely not a, a, a dollar for dollar or a percent per percent type of raise for, right. for them. And that's not the slant I was coming at it by, although, you know, I think companies would be wise to invest in their employees because I think we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. The hidden costs of, we'll say, orientation, training workers Mm -hmm. of turnover, I think, is is a cost that a lot of companies don't always realize, whereas there's companies like Costco that pay their employees a little bit more. They have a lesser turnover rate. They have happier employees. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, their customer service is better. Um, anyways, that's a, that's a separate discussion. That's a my, whole, yeah, a whole different discussion the point, the point of my post was, wow, Amazon and Walmart have record profits. Meanwhile, small businesses all around the country have been forced to be closed. And are tattled on if they do open. And meanwhile, these giant mega corporations, these monolith multinational corporations that certain politicians have been screaming about for two different political seasons, and they are the exact entities that are favored by more government regulations. So that was my issue. And actually, I'm fine with Amazon making record profits. I'm fine with Walmart making record profits. They provide good services. Right. I I mean, I think Walmart is... Like you said, the Amazoning of shipping. I think they've revolutionized the way that yeah. people we, we people all, do online shopping. I say the Amazon experience, the Amazon shipping experience. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't understand what I'm talking about. Right. So I like Amazon. I, I'm 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 ambivalent about Walmart. I've shopped there sometimes, but it, it wouldn't be my place to go. I'd probably go to Target. Yes. But whatever. Target Target's doing well, also. Very well. Right. And I'm fine with all of them doing well. I just want the opportunity to do well, also. Yes. So I don't. I, the The better that all businesses do, the better it is for all of us. It's not a fixed pie. If the pie gets bigger, we, it's we it's all good. win. We all win. That's capitalism. I'm I'm fine with that. So I, I was angry about the fact, and am angry about the fact that small businesses have been closed all around the country, and especially in specific states like Illinois. Right. Um, and that was my, my gripe. And someone on my Facebook wall replied with, well, have you been patronizing those big businesses or you've been patronizing small businesses? Because you're part of the problem. Well, first of all, you may not even have the opportunity. Like, how many small business grocery stores are there? Like, Very few anymore. Uh, it's basically like, you know, you go to a place like a big, soup, like, giant Superstore like Target or Walmart if they have groceries, mm-hmm. or you go to a place locally like Jewel Osco, which is granted a more regional company, but they're not still they're I mean, by no means small. They're a multi-billion-dollar company. They're very large, very large, very huge. And you, really, if you want a local 
grocery store, you're going to like a Mercado, basically. Right. And which not everybody necessarily wants to shop there because they have. There aren't a lot around. No. At least where I live. And there was one kind of down the road, uh, a Polish type place, kind of down the road from where I lived. And they closed recently. Exactly. And the the other thing, I actually had, I'm not even kidding, I had this, like, what would have amounted to an entire screen full of thoughts on that, calling this person out. And I, dele- I deleted it. I was like, I, I'm not going to engage. I'm just not going to. This is Eric Howard. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I have my. <laughs> yeah. I do this. A, I do this a lot, actually. Where I, I have sometimes a lot of that's thoughts. cathartic to write it out and Correct. delete it. It's just kind of like the email you write to your coworker and and delete. I think we've probably all done that. We've, we've all done it, but it was just it was such bullshit because I'm like, first of all, all she was doing this person, sorry, was virtue signaling. This wasn't about uh, the article. It was talking about, oh, I have a medical thing, or my family has a medical thing, and I adjusted my business, and you guys are the problem. Go fuck yourself. Anyway. So my fake news yeah. for the <laughs> night. <laughs> brought, brought what is bullshit back for a second. Yeah, yeah no doubt. <laughs> um, my, what is our, my, yeah, my fake news is Instagram, quote, call-out pages. Oh, t- Explain to those at home, Eric, that maybe don't know what an Instagram call-out page is. So basically, this is a Finstagram account or a secondary Instagram account for somebody that anonymously reposts, say, training videos or, or even meet videos or meet videos of lifters they've called out for mm-hmm. bad squat depth or crappy judging yes. or you know not having the integrity to ban your own lift. And you know what, like. And I'll call them out specifically, squat, at Squat Clowns, mm-hmm. at Jester of the Lifts. Like, don't you have anything better to do with your lives? I mean, have you put your name on the OJ so no one drinks it? <laughs> I don't like OJ. Occasionally, oh, wow, really? Be careful because he might come knife you. Um, I do like pure cranberry juice when I'm on the hashtag vertical diet. Ooh, that is delicious. Because um, I don't like stuff that's that sweet like OJ. So you cranberry like, juice, don't little, like pineapple juice li- little tart. No, no. No Sorry. pineapple juice. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, these call-out pages, like, I had a post on Instagram, I believe on the Strength and Anger page. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let's see if I can pull up exactly what this, this specific, uh, there's a, there's a name cause it, for Because it has to do with the topic at hand. Yeah. The Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias in which people with low ability at a task overestimate their ability. And that, man, that got some engagement. Yeah, that, that definitely got some engagement. Um, you know, and my, my point was is that these meme slash troll Instagram pages, you know, they usually think they know more than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually have been in the sport less than five years. They're almost all raw lifters. Mm-hmm. They probably think the, quote, early days of the sport is the mid-2000s. And, and this, my post was specifically responding to one of those meme pages. What's the one that's the biggest one? Uh Subpar powerlifting oh, sub, memes. Subpar powerlifting memes. Subpar yeah. powerlifting memes, and I had a meme about like you know geared lifting and a raw lifter that had broken records before putting gear on. And it's yep. like they can't be an old lifter if they started raw, mm-hmm. because raw's only been around super competitively for maybe 10, 15 years. And then the response you oh the responses you got were just ridiculous. Yeah, someone tagged Strength Anger in that, and they said, "Check out the Strength Anger podcast." Yep. The sport, I mean, again, everybody who listens to this podcast probably already knows this information, but the sport did not start raw. The sport has basically always been equipped. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, did people lift weights without a squat suit on? 
Obviously, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the organized sport of powerlifting, which really didn't come into its own until the early 80s. We've talked about this in previous episodes. But those of you who, you know, post memes and repost videos all day long, obviously, maybe you could spend a little bit. You don't have to listen to our podcast. No. I mean, you could do the same research I did. Look at some of the research of the history of the sport before you post some of these stupid memes and find something better to do with your time than calling out, especially people's training videos. Like, who cares? Like, right. Training like, is just that. We, we used to purposely squat high at Franz Gym as an overload. I mm-hmm. God, I'd hate to think what someone would think of our, like, they were literally, Ernie described oh, them as I, half I, squats. I know what they would t- tell it or call it. Waste of time. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, enough said on fake news. Um, yeah. We'll move on to the stone stories, and I, I teased this last week. Yes, oh, you did. Oh, boy. Uh, we're going to talk about front desk Bobby, <laughs> affectionately known between my brother and I as Crackhead Bobby. And if Jesus. Bobby will probably – Bobby, if I had to make a guess, he's either dead or in jail. And is this back in jail or – Probably. Well, I talked about last week how Ernie Franz definitively had a soft spot for ex-cons and alcoholics. Those say those are the troubled past. Yeah, in general. But, I mean, he... But definitely those two things. Especially especially alcoholics because his father was an alcoholic. And so he, he specifically saw it as kind of one of his missions in life is to try to give people a second chance. And he had a business and he liked hiring low cost workers was part of it. But... But, I mean, you can find low-cost workers that are not, you know, ex-cons and alcoholics. See. Uh, so, you know, Amy, Amy Jackson, who I think we'd like to have on the podcast sometime soon to mm-hmm. tell her story, at one time she was the front desk worker of Franz Jim. He was the best front desk worker she ever had. Very good. She eventually decided to work solely for the APF once yep. Ernie Franz sold the WPC to Kieran Kidder. Mm-hmm. You can listen to our Kieran Kidder interview where we talk about that more. Right. Um, one of the later people that took over from Amy was a guy, a young guy named Bobby, who we affectionately called Crackhead Bobby. Bobby legitimately probably had been on drugs, legitimately probably had been in and out and, of... And not the typical drugs you would find possibly around powerlifting. Yeah, yeah, not that kind of drugs. <laughs> um, legitimately probably had been... I don't know if he'd been in prison, but he'd probably been in jail. And he was definitely, if you, you wouldn't, we would know that when Bobby was working the front desk, my brother Ken and I, we could definitely get a discount if we paid in cash. Wow. And unfortunately, in retrospect, I'm sure that that cash, at least not all of it, made it into the register. Right. Um, so there's a lot of cash purchases. <laughs> and my brother went in there one day. He was going there frequently, getting gear adjusted and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, at the time. He was good friends with Bobby. Uh, you know, chatted with him a bit. And he went in there one day, and Bobby, Bobby was limping around. And he said to my brother, oh, Ken, I got shot in the leg. What? And my brother's like, hold on, what? He's like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, this girl I'd been kind of, you know, seeing. I think we know what that means. Her, her boyfriend got out of prison, and, you know, he, uh, he, he had seen this movie before. He, he had caught me with his girl, and I was running out of there, and I didn't even have pants on, and he shot me in the leg. Jesus. this is the same bobby who again unconfirmed reports that when he would cook the nose torque on the roof of franz gym was also cooking we'll say the same type of substances that was in a very popular tv show starring a uh, science teacher oh my god 
Uh, I guess I'm so that. was the Franz Jim the, the basis for Breaking Bad? Uh, well, I mean, Ernie Franz is not a, not a, no, not a chemistry no, teacher. No, it's a bad joke, but... Yeah. So there's probably more stories I can't remember about Crackhead Bobby, but... Capers. Uh, he... And, and you would talk to Ernie about it, and you're like, Ernie, you know, Amy at that time was still coming into Franz Jim for about, we'll say, two hours every morning sure. just to kind of, like, keep things in shape. And and she would say to Ernie, like, don't you know that, that Bobby's just robbing you? And he's like, well, he's like, I know, I know. Just let it, just let it go. Yeah. So, anyways, let, let's move on to the topic. At, oh, excuse me. Before we move on to the topic at hand, let's move to our Plusa throwback. Throwback, throwback, throwback. And we've got quite a – this might be the picture we post with the episode. That's amazing. This is Anthony Clark for Lator. Uh, it's the fashion – the power fashion. And <laughs> he's in some, like – Fashion. He's in some, like, uh, some white trousers with just a popped collar – uh, leather, black leather jacket. Um, Anthony Clark, who we've talked about before, yeah. but in case you haven't listened to past episodes, um, he was uh, of the 800 pound bench controversy we've talked about, where yep. he hit the 800 pound bench and was was given two whites at the meet at the Arnold in '98. Then, then didn't happen, and, and then it was invalidated later. Um, he had best lift of 1,031 squat, 770 bench, 744 deadlift. A 25, 31-pound total at super heavyweight. Wow. Um, he was uh, – So, real quick, Eric, what were you doing? In, this is in April of 1992 this issue was from. What were you doing in April of 1992? Um, I would have been in third grade, and I was playing a lot of soccer. Nobody cares about soccer. Uh, ironically, and, and I, I think I played at that age, I played soccer in the fall and in the spring. Yes. I, play, I played basketball in the winter, and I did baseball, which I sucked at. I was, I was actually – pretty good baseball's dumb i was above average at soccer um i was terrible at baseball like i don't i barely ever got a hit um just bad bad at baseball i didn't play bad, for very, very long. bad very terrible i was i was below average but like mediocre at basketball uh, again i was probably above average at soccer but baseball i i think i i liked baseball i like i mean it, it's just like a lot of things like i wasn't good at football i just liked being on the football team so sure. like same thing like i liked being on the baseball team, but I wasn't very good at baseball. In fact, very bad, very bad at baseball. <laughs> very but, terrible. People said terrible things. But April of 92, I would have been in third grade. Wow. Uh, probably doing some soccer. Yes, glorious. How about you, Mr. Bain? So uh, I would have been in fourth grade, uh, 10 years old, and I would have actually just made my first travel soccer team. Oh, that was big time. I remember it because, like, it's funny now that you talk about travel because, like, now anybody can get on a travel team. Oh, yeah. And, like, I remember when we were kids, it was, like, you had to try out. Oh, yeah. And, like, there was, like, one travel team, like, per area. Um, and I remember I yes. specifically was disallowed from trying out for a traveling soccer team because they played on Sundays. And mm. that would not have been allowed in the Stone household. So we – yes, yeah, so that was not as big a deal in the Bain household by any stretch. Uh, but this was, yeah, so our, our uh, club, uh, FPYC, uh, this was, like, an overall big sports club. Uh in, in Fairfax, Virginia. And, I mean, d the house league that we had, I mean, just for the, the 10-year-olds, there were 26 teams. And, you know, they basically they would pluck the you know top three, four, five guys from each team uh, and girls because girls' teams were, I think they were 20 teams. And then they would have these big tryouts. And so you would have, I mean, close to 100 kids per gender because there's only two back then uh, that would try out for these teams. And they would pick 24 kids. 
And so that, that was the first time I made, uh, made it to travel soccer team. And that was, that was a big deal. And then by, uh, by May we were doing kind of the first big tournament was one that we hosted actually was the FPYC father's day tournament. And again, you think about like Chicago or like big metro areas, like, you know, the DC area where I'm from this at, at the 10 year old level, there were 112 teams in three brackets, basically. There was like an elite bracket of, you know, premier and then like a regular bracket, basically. And they had 112 teams just for 10-year-olds. Wow. It was, this tournament was just enormous. It was week-long. Very games, big. Very, very, very large, very huge. Huge, huge and tournament. They, yeah, it was just, it was insane. Um, moving to Iowa was a bit of a culture shock when the, there's definitely not any of that, even still, out there. Hmm, interesting. So, crazy. Anyway, that's what I was doing. So, yeah, we got Anthony Clark. He's uh, on the cover. We might use that as our cover photo. He is uh, definitely, you know, rocking. It looks like Sean Boyer, who I don't know who that is. I don't know if that's some kind of power lifter from the early 90s, but Sean Boyer's new Lator line, L-A-T-O-R. Um, very strange, um, very strange to have that on the cover of Powerlifting USA. It was almost like an infomercial right on the cover, and there was – you know, some ads in there for this fashion line for power lifters. I don't know if it's supposed to be for big guys. I don't know. On the inside cover, interesting that there was, like, just in the inside cover, the next four pages, before even the table of contents, was four full pages of ads for Marathon. And at the time, Marathon was a big company. Like, in the 80s, they were one of the first gear manufacturers. And, in fact, the super suit was basically the first pop if you talk to lifters it was basically the first popular squat suit um and it almost became uh genericized is that that the right word there you know kind of like how seems like it kind of like how kleenex is you know ubiquitous with tissue like if you talk to lifters that lifted in the 80s they'll talk about like using their super suit and it didn't necessarily have to be from marathon but super suit is essentially what they called a squat suit whenever i see that the only thing i think of is the incredibles Where's my super suit? <laughs> uh, the double gold line knee wraps were still talked about, like, you know, kind of nostalgic back in the day mm-hmm. when I first got into the sport. Like, people, oh, I wish we could still get the, the double gold lines. Um, Is it like the TB5000s now? Yes, very similar. Gotcha. Uh, marathon. In fact, people still talk about, I have a marathon deadlift suit in the back that John Smoker gave me. Nice. Uh, I have not tried it on because he told me I needed to be 165 to try it. And I'm you are not 165. Definitely not trying it. So if any, there's any 165ers out there that want to come in and try an old school marathon, I get, we've talked about it before, but marathon has gone out of business, but they had a very unique material. Um, and in this issue, they're actually selling the blast bench shirt from Enzer, which it appears was the only bench shirt Enzer was selling. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go back to our Enzer V Franz episode. Why? Enzer was the only one manufacturing and selling bench shirts. That's right. And so the other gear manufacturer was actually reselling Enzer's bench shirt, including Marathon. Later in the magazine, there was literally seven pages for Marathon supplements Jeepers. in a row. Jesus. In general, there was a lot of freaking ads. Like, I mean, there was five pages in a row of, of Enzer ads. There was, in a couple different areas, I think four or five pages of Titan ads. Like, jeez. There's just a lot of ads. Crazy. Um, Dan Austin, pretty, pretty well-known lifter. I believe a USPF, IPF lifter. Uh, He had uh, a checklist for success for the squat. And, you know, I'm not going to go through the article, but here was kind of his key points, which I thought were interesting. Um, Suit, belt, 
wraps, shoes, shirt, socks, hands, head and eye position, feet, bar placement, breathing, psyching, concentration, and technique. So I like it. each one of those kind of had a paragraph of his recommendation and what they were used for and what was needed. And I kind of like how he broke things down. It, you know, your suit is, you know, made for support and your belt, you know, should keep your core and things like that. You know, your wraps help provide support in your knees. Right. You know, make sure your shoes and, and we could go through all those. But I thought it was interesting how you kind of broke everything down, you know, each little area that you should think about mm-hmm. when setting up for the squat. Um, I thought this was pretty interesting. There was a letter from the APF president. Um, and at this time, Greg Reschel was the APF president in 92, okay. ironically. And he, Reschel of the Reschel formula, mm-hmm. if you didn't know, before we used the Glossburner formula, we used the Reschel formula in the APF WPC. And this was basically like a survey. And here were the three choices. And it was basically referring to APF senior nationals, so their, okay. their main open nationals meet. Right. Um, and here were the three options. What Should the APF use a qualifying meet structure to determine eligibility for senior nationals? And the proposed structure was um, to use state championships mm-hmm. to become eligible for nationals. So top, top three type thing. Something like that. It didn't, wasn't specific. Should the APF use elite qualifying totals to determine eligibility for senior nationals? Um, and that's basically like... And we have been the APF, which is very old. In fact, I'll talk about that more in a second. But it was basically there's class four, class three, class two, class one, Mm -hmm. master, elite. And those are kind of your classifications of, you know, where your total fits into your weight class. Sure. Um, And then should the APF maintain the current qualifying totals, which I'm sure were just, you know, statistically analyzed qualifying totals. Mm -hmm. So this is something we in the APF executive committee have been discussing Actually, in the last couple of weeks, I have proposed for a while now that I think the APF should adopt. We have qualifying totals for open equipped, but that's it. Right. And they're old. And I, those are fine. But I think we should adopt qualifying totals for raw, classic raw, I suppose, single ply. Um, and they don't have to be anything high, but I do think we need some kind of qualifying totals. Because no, one of those squats are. <laughs> so that at least people have something to shoot for. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the success the USAPL had. We I mean, we hate on them, but I mean, hey, they had a thousand freaking lifters at Raw Nationals last year or two years ago. So could their qualifications be too shitty? Um, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm yeah, I mean, that. obviously the qualification isn't very high, but I think having the qualification, having mm-hmm. that benchmark to reach, you know, from a business perspective has increased the demand in what people want to go to that meet. Uh, agreed. So I, I think that's something the APF should adopt. And everybody tells me that they can take the data and analyze it. You know, Dr. Dr. Penrose can put it into his computer and beep, 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 beep. his machine learning and Gimmel can put it into her Gimmel machine. <laughs> Whoa, Jackie, hey. Jackie Stone can put it into her math mind. And everybody says they can figure something out. And then the, the Jay Quellen formula. Somebody, yeah, Jake Wallen actually had a proposal for, you know, we talked about the rush on the gloss banner. She had a proposal for a formula years ago where we should, it should be a, a constantly evolving formula based on the current world records at the time. And so the formula is so ever like stepping stones. <laughs> the formula is constantly changing based on the current world records was her, was her proposal. And I don't really understand exactly how that works because I'm, not, you know, Mrs. Math like right, her. Right. Um, so that's something we've been talking about, and I would like, 
uh, I would like to implement. I don't exactly know what the numbers should be because I'm not smart enough. I just know that we should have numbers. So we've got the top 100 181s from February 91 to January 92. Okay. Um, and your number one squat is 755 P. Roche. Uh, 749. 727, 705, 700 round out your top five in the squat. Estes is top in the bench, 501. R. Boulet with 470, 470, 468, 465. Uh, B. Cavalier, top of the deadlift with 705. Wow. 794, 688, excuse me, 694, 688, 683. 677, Tom Eisman, a guy who's still lifting today. We talked about him in mm-hmm. a previous episode. He's number six with 672. It's all the way back in 92 here. D. Wagman, top of the total with 1785. And rounding out the top five is 1780, 1765, 1758, and 1747. Those are your top 100, or at least we list the top five, 181s, all the way back here in 92. Wow. Um, we've got the top 100 all-time 165s at the time. Osby mm-hmm. um, Alexander, not a guy who I've I'd known before, but he's got an 1884 total, um, set back in 89. Rick Gangler um, with 1879. Mike Bridges, a, a well-known name, number mm-hmm. three with 1835. Ricky Del Crane, a guy we've talked about a number yep. of times, 1880. Gene Bell, 1802, and rounding out, tied for fifth, is one John Enzer with mm. an 1802 total. That's your top five, six for the top 100, 165s all time, at least at that time. I'm sure that list would be be different now. Pro- probably fairly different now, yeah. Yeah, but interesting to look at. Um, there was also a president from the, U- uh, uh, excuse me, a letter from the USPF president at the time, Jan Sendow, Shandow, mm-hmm. um, and said the executive committee in January 92 ruled that the USPF will no longer offer sanctioned unless a drug tested division is offered after February 1993. I thought this was specifically interesting because. A couple years after this, uh, I'm not exactly sure when. I'd love to do an episode on this. If mm-hmm. anybody knows the history of how the ADFPA became the IPF affiliate, mm-hmm. I would love to hear that story. Um, but it would be a, a few years after that that the USPF that started the IPF, essentially, right. would be kicked out of the IPF and replaced by the ADFPA, mm-hmm. now renamed the USAPL. USAPL yep. um, and we talked about this in our drug testing and powerlifting episode, how the powers that be in the USPF were very reluctant. Um, and gosh, all the way up to 92, they were still, and even 93, they were still talking about drug testing versus not. Mm-hmm. And we talked about when Ernie Franz started the AMPF back in 82, mm-hmm. that one of his reasons for starting it was a desire not to have drug testing ever in the APF or right. AMPF at that time. Um, and that was 10 years prior to this. And they're still talking about it 10 years later. And, you know, you can make a reasonable case that that's probably at least the stated reason why the USPF was eventually booted from the IPF and replaced with what is now the USAPL. What, what I always find fascinating, like, about the people that have the argument about drug-free listing, and uh, I'm not going to debate that with anybody right now. I just, you know, we've, we've done that kind of ad nauseum on the show. Many of the same arguments that are made against performance-enhancing drugs, 
you know, bad for your health or you don't want the kids to see it or both. Like, these same people making those arguments have no problem with marijuana being, for medical and, and personal use, being legal. Zero issue. And I find that very, very fascinating. And typically what I when I dig a little deeper on that, what I typically get is the, well, you know, a, a lot of the, the research and the data was, you know, suppressed and, and people didn't know really what, what it could do and the, some of the benefits of it. I'm like, hmm. Really interesting. Sounds a lot like anabolic steroids. Very huh? interesting. You should talk to Ernie Franz about how he was involved in a, in a research study through it. got stopped because of our... Got, right, got stopped because of our probable next president yep. was very against anabolic steroids and passed the Steroid Control Act of, right. I don't remember what year it was, 1994, 1995. Right, so like it, it reminded me very much like the hysterics that were around uh, performance-enhancing drugs reminded me of the old movie. I, I've never seen it, but I've heard about it, is Weed Madness. Hmm. That was one of the, that was actually, you know, produced by Big Tobacco as a way to, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Go go look this thing up, and, and it was there because there was this time where it was weed and uh, and tobacco were kind of like neck and neck. Like what's like what are people gonna uh, you know be smoking basically? And tobacco had the resources to go and basically put out this information. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't I'm not gonna hand a blunt to my kids, but there has been significant research over the years to show that there is there are benefits to marijuana for a variety of things from you know. Uh, pain management and glaucoma and et cetera. Obviously, yeah, there's there's some things you have to have, you know, alongside it. But it's interesting that these same arguments being used against performance enhancers are being used for marijuana. And I always find that very fascinating. And, of course, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you generally, although I always use uh, one of my, my arguments, not against marijuana, but, you know, maybe a counter is, well, we put a man on the moon – with people smoking cigarettes. Yeah. I'm not sure the same could be said for people smoking marijuana. Well, they're, all, they're, they're all there. Fair. <laughs> so let's... They're just, uh, they're just bringing them along, man. <laughs> <laughs> there was an advertisement for the 10th annual Viking Open run by Dennis Brady. Right here, B&W Gym. Um, still, uh, at least right now, I, I do feel bad for Dennis mm-hmm. um, because he's... Uh, they're struggling. They're struggling in Chicago right now, and he's certainly not able to run any meets. Um, he he would be an interesting interview. He would, he would, uh, and I do have some contact with him. He would be an interesting interview to talk because I mean, yeah. gosh, he was. I mean, this is ninety two, so we're talking about the tenth annual yes. Viking Open. So I mean, he's he been running that, meets since before I was born. Yeah, he started in eighty two, and at the time it was the ADFPA, yep. which American Drug Free Powerlifting Association, which would become the USAPL. Um, and he stuck with them for a while, and then he actually left the USA, USAPL mm-hmm. for a short time, was not running meets, and then was running meets for a little bit with the ADFPF, mm-hmm. um, which was an offshoot after the ADFPA you joined the You can go back to our Alpha Soup ep- episode, and you can hear all about that. Yep, yep. Uh, so and let's move on to the topic at hand of the day, Mr. Bain. Yeah, a, you, you are passionate about this topic. Um, I, I don't know if I'm passionate about it, but I am opinionated on it, I guess. I guess in some ways I don't really care, um, but I made a, a post on our Instagram, the Strengthening Instagram, and it was a, it was a, it was a video meme. Um, I decided to throw my hat and make it a video meme, so I did a little, little internet app research. Yeah, it, Eric, Eric's upping his meme game because we know that's the way you, to true internet stardom, so he's trying to... Right, I, yes. I've learned from the best on internet memes, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm 
nerd. I'm surprised we didn't get any nerd feedback on our Star. I'm, our, I'm actually upset about that. Like, yeah, and from our Star Wars but, uh, meme and talk from last week. But you think does anyone know where the nerd comes from? I, I'm going to put that out there. If people listen to this episode, DM us on the Strength and Anger page. Do you know where the nerd reference comes from? I don't. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. You, you don't know? I do know. Okay. I was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. No, I do know. Oh, my God. Um, so I, I also enjoy Star Trek. In fact, I kind of bounce back and forth whether I like Star Wars or Star Trek better. Like, I, I probably like, in general, the overall, you know, story arc of at least the first six episodes of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like kind of that complete, you know, story arc. But I do like just the just the breadth of content that that's allowed in Star Trek, um, and gosh, Wrath of Khan is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Khan, it's 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 a top five for me. Um, it is a great movie, Eric. So I made a video meme of <laughs> Jean Luc Picard, you know, in so. in uh, Star Trek Generation, saying, mm-hmm. you know, this far, no further. <laughs> and, you know, said, you know, this is when Stone's asked about band shirts in the APF. Yes. And one of the com- most of the comments were, you know, why? And I said, you know, it's- I, I think in the spirit of like, hey, just educate me on your opinion. Sure. Yeah. J.J. Thomas, a guy I know from Michigan mm-hmm. who runs UPA meets, you know, said, you know, why don't why do you feel this way? And I basically said, I don't think it's a shirt. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, why do you think that? Okay, I said, sure. I said, well, it's really a longer answer mm-hmm. than the context of an Instagram comment. And so I referred him to my my interview with Anthony Oliveira, with mm-hmm. whom if you guys haven't listened to that interview, I would recommend it. Go to the trigger warning conjugate stay uh, hated podcast podcast. And I don't think we've talked about it necessarily because, uh, you know, I did it a long time ago and then he's like behind on when he records things, then we releases them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does stuff, you know, kind of well in advance. So he's got stuff kind of in the can mm-hmm. and releases it weekly. So I was on the, uh, the trigger warning conjugate stay hated podcast. Stay hated motherfuckers. And, uh, you know, he and I, pro- that's probably what we talked about the most. I mean, we talked yeah. about a lot of things, but we talked, you know, kind of at length about the the rubber band shirts. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, I referred him to that podcast. And I figured, well, let's expand upon it even more this week. Yeah. Um, one of the comments, however, was, this is sad, idiotic, and myopic. Fake news. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, I don't Wrong. know. Uh, the person blocked me on Instagram. Which is kind of funny because I I don't know who they are, and they also wouldn't let Bain or I, uh, like, mention them in our comments, even though he commented on our our thread. So so I'm not blocked, but yeah, you, like his profile is because it's a private profile. You can't right. tag him and stuff. You can't tag him and stuff. So I asked specifically. So if you happen to know at unseen dot something, uh, and you know they don't allow people to mention them, just ask them for me because they might have not seen it. Why are they so bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I commented on the thread. I'd been, I may or may not have had a couple of drinks, but I, I just wanted to know why are they such a bitch? Right. Well, maybe clarify your comments. Why is my meme, which is meant to be funny? Yeah. Memes are generally meant to be funny. Um, we'll talk more seriously about my opinion on it in this episode. Yes. But I don't. Why is it sad, idiotic, and sad, idiotic, and myopic? Yeah. So. Well, I, I will say to that. Wrong. <laughs> Um, so what are we even talking about? What is a rubber band shirt? So uh, what we're talking about is a shirt, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and I put that in quotes. Yes. Um, that's made of knee wrap material. Mm-hmm. Essentially the material that we use in knee wraps, especially the stretchy type knee wraps, but, but all different types. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes these all, are... All knee wraps matter. Sometimes these are called band shirts. Mm-hmm. And even though they're not really made of rubber bands per se, 
Um, I, I think a more accurate description would be knee wrap shirts, but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that's seems seemingly what they've been called. Um, Slingshot shirts. There's right. a there's a lot of different right. Names for uh, and sometimes these are made to look at least kind of look sort of like a shirt. Um, sometimes they look more like a quote slingshot. Yeah. Um, I think everybody probably knows what a slingshot is because they probably at least have heard of Mark Bell and heard of slingshots. So if you haven't heard of Mark Bell, you can go back and listen to our episode talking about bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, his family is featured in that. Yeah, and I mean, gosh, he's all over. Instagram. He's all over YouTube. Carnivore. He's, he's not. A, he's not a hard guy to find information no. on. So, no. uh, you know, the slingshot by Mark Bell, from what I can find, came out around 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. And basically, what it is is it's a knee wrap sewn with some armholes in it, and you put it on, and yeah. it can it can help you bench more. Um, we'll go into what you might use it for. How much you bench? Yeah, how much you bench. Net. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, basically, Mark Bell's made an entire company around selling this. He, he, has made, he has made enough money to pay for IPF approval on his knee sleeves. Which is really freaking expensive. Yeah, he, actually, he does have a hilarious video on that if you ever want to go check that out. So, from what I, and I'm not hating on Mark Bell for doing that. No. But from what I'm told, um, he was definitely not the inventor of this type of device. Right. In fact, I remember even back before there was a talk of, you know, actual, like, slingshot type devices, I remember people taking a a mini band mm-hmm. and just doubling it over and putting it over their arms, kind of like a slingshot and sure. using that as a, basically an overload device, almost like reverse bands or almost kind of like wearing a bench shirt. Um, I actually found a YouTube video from 2008. Yeah. You said that to that, me. That someone had uh, posted where Chris Taylor, power lift from, from New York had invented what he called the bench strap. Um, and it was basically like, a knee wrap with some armholes, but not sleeves, just it, like armholes. It, yeah. It looked more, it looked closer to a ram versus a slingshot. Definitely. It was closer to a Titan ram. And this was back from 08, and supposedly he had haven't had it even before then. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to hate on Mark Bell for, quote, stealing the idea. Um, I mean, I don't remember Chris Taylor ever selling these. I think he just made it for his own purposes. And yeah. Mark Bell went out, and I don't know if he got a patent or not. I assume something of that, that issue. More likely. Yeah, or at least a trademark on, you know, the name. De- definitely um, on the slingshot name. He tra- yeah. trademarked that. So he was definitely the first one to popularize the device. And again, it's basically a knee wrap that he turned sideways and he put some arm loops. He sewed some arm loops in it. Or he had someone sew some arm loops in mm-hmm. it. And quickly thereafter, Titan came out with the Titan Ram. And it, it looks more like a shirt. It doesn't look like a, a closer, shirt. Yeah. But it's basically a knee wrap flat on your chest with two arm holes you know, kind of sewed perpendicular to that versus, you know, w- when you look at the slingshot, that knee wrap material sticks way up. Right. Um, again, the bench strap looks more like a ram. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, he always advertised the slingshot, not as like obviously something for powerlifting or he basically advertised it really more, which was smart on his part. Mm-hmm. He advertised it to the average gym goer, not to the powerlifter per se. Right. He advertised it to the average Joe, Jane, that goes to the gym that wants to bench, and uh, we'll, we'll go through. I mean, yeah, the whole the whole thing was the whole shtick was how much you bench, right? And hey, you could bench more with a slingshot, and right. who doesn't want to bench more? Yeah. Um, knee wraps are relatively easy to come by. Um, a little industry secret, which is not so secret. Mm-hmm. Um, just about anybody can get most of the different knee wraps that you see sold in the marketplace. There's maybe, I would say, maximum two or three manufacturers in Pakistan, Afghanistan. 
Um, I get emails from them maybe every other month on that I can buy most of the wrist wraps, knee wraps that are on the market right now for somewhere between two to five dollars per pair. Mm-hmm. Now you just have to buy like you know a thousand pairs of them, correct? Um, to get that kind of pricing, and so yeah. So, they'll, they'll, so you, if you guys think that we should make strength and anger wrist wraps for knee wraps, please let us know. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Probably not gonna happen. Uh, not probably gonna happen not, not. Not something I'm particularly interested in. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can white label them and put whatever you want on there, mm-hmm. and that's essentially what a lot of companies do. And that's not to hate on them. Larry wheels. Um, but the knee wrap material, which is you know, a cloth material with weaved rubber mm-hmm. in it, essentially, with you know, if you if you cut a, a a knee wrap in half, there'll be essentially strings of rubber in it. Correct. And you know, a lot of others got in the game. Um, with Bench Daddy was kind of the big first one outside of Titan and outside of Slingshot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bunch now. I mean, it's they're not worth. They're everywhere. Yeah, it's not worth naming all of them per se. But there's a whole bunch of them. Um, so you might ask, like, why might you use a Slingshot or RAM, a a bench overload device? Mm-hmm. And that's the first one is is to use as an overload. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking the bench through a full range of motion with more than you can raw bench, or maybe for a shirt adventure, overloading without putting your bench shirt on. Yeah, because uh, for the most part, if you're a raw bencher, you're you're usually going to be fairly strong off the chest, usually. Again, everybody's going to kind of their own sticking points, but the nice thing with the slingshot is that you're able to, you know, kind of get get that quick off the, the bench and really kind of work that, that top end. So it does not replace board work by any stretch, but that does have a similar type of effect. Yeah, um, you know, according to Mark Bell, and one of his main sticking points is it allows you to train through injuries. And I yeah. assume that other than just thinking it's a it's a, a high profit margin item, and that's not a hate, but I can tell you again, you could buy knee wraps probably from Pakistan, which maybe between two to three meters in a pair mm-hmm. per net, per wrap, you know, for maybe five dollars a pair if you buy a bunch, and. The slingshot is definitively not three meters. It's not even. It's it's no. not definitely not six meters of no. wrap. It's certainly not three meters of wrap. It's at least far less uh, length of that for just the total length of it. Now, granted, it's got some arm holes sewn in it, so mm-hmm. that that adds some extra you know work I mean, that has you, to be done. You realistically can get one slingshot out of each knee wrap. I would say probably more than that. I would say maybe two. W- worst case, yeah, yeah. So it's a high profit margin item, and but I assume maybe Mark Bell was messing around and you know got out of the quit benching and wanted to work around some of his injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm medium on that. I'll, I'll speak more on that in a second. Um, <laughs> I do think it probably does a decent way of teaching lifters to tuck their elbows as long as it's not too strong of a knee wrap material. Um, some equipped lifters will use it instead of putting their bench shirt on. It is, no matter the type of, you know, shirt, device it is, right. slingshot, ram, they're all very easy to put on, at least in comparison to a bench shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, some disadvantages, uh, it doesn't provide any compression of the joint or of the tendons or the muscles like a bench shirt does. In fact, right. Donnie Thompson has talked about that if you really want, you know, something to protect you from injuries, get an old Inzer Blast shirt, cut it in back, and use that because that will provide that compression around the shoulder joint and compression around the pecs and the delts like briefs do. And really, the slingshot does not do that. Um, with the slingshot specifically, it's kind of hard to do board work, which mm-hmm. I guess I don't know why you necessarily need to do board and slingshot work. But yeah, it seems like it defeats purpose to me. Yeah, I mean, there's maybe reasons to do it. Uh, for that reason, you know, it's easier to use a ram. Um, 
I'm not sure that the carryover to Raw is very good, especially when you're using that very, very strong wrap material. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure the carryover to shirted benching because it almost becomes a different movement at that point. Right. And when you're talking about like these like triple ply, you know, super strong bench daddies, it, I mean, gosh, we talked about this Inzer, you know, bench training apparatus. Yeah, whatever. That uh, Howard Penderos has a 2X he's going to exchange for a 3X. And, gosh, I'm almost afraid someone's going to break their freaking arms on that. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about that later. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know a ton of raw, big raw benchers that use the slingshot a bunch in their training. Yeah, I, could be, I could be wrong, but does Julius Maddox – use a slingshot a lot in his training not that i've seen um i mean Thomas mark bell Davis, was no. mark bell was never a big raw bencher he's a pretty good equip bencher mm-hmm. not top level but good um in fact i think he continually tried to bench big raw and kept tearing his pecs yeah i think that's so interesting you mentioned that because i was thinking of you know who i know there's a big raw bencher and i think of like thomas davis julius maddox i always do think of like uh tom finn local guy here at ad hoc finn he probably does use the slingshot a decent amount he, he um, does occasionally, but I see him he's still more raw benching. Now, granted, he's also yeah. torn both pecs, but... Uh, yeah, but I think of some of the other, the, the crew of kind of older raw benchers, Dan Morgel and Corey Henry and Lonnie Dickinson, I don't I don't remember seeing them do a whole lot of slingshot slanger work. No, I don't see a lot of that. Now, to be fair, Dan's also, like, I, he's, he's too wide to use it, I think, but cause he's, a, he's a large human. He's just a huge, humongous yeah. man. Yeah. Um, not a knock on him. He's just a big dude. Yeah, I, and I don't know. I, I've not seen a ton of raw, big raw benches yeah, that I, use the slingshot. I tend to see guys like my size who you know are benching in that like low fours, mid fours. They'll use it occasionally. That's really it. Uh, and, and then lot, Jimbros. A lot of people. Yeah, a lot, yeah. That was going to say. A lot of people I see using the slingshot are Jimbros and people ego lifting. Yeah, yeah. A lot and of that. Uh, you know, I actually thought when I was kind of coming up with this episode, I'm thinking, well, I wonder if a slingshot would. Uh, not a real heavy slingshot, but like a mm-hmm. you know a light slingshot. Would there be some value in using that for speed work and in in, uh, in a conjugate program? Speed. You know, because you, you you do want to focus more on the triceps as an equip bencher. Although there was a 2019 study that studied using the slingshot, and it was weird because it, it, its results were that it had less activation of the triceps. I thought it would have been the opposite. I thought it would have been less activation of the pectorals. Yeah, same. So it, it was. I, I'd like to go find the study. It was in, ironically, in the Journal of Strength Conditioning, which I have access to. So I might go dig out that study and, and look at it a little bit more carefully. I'd yeah. like to know exactly how they might be a good deter- loose ends to clean up. There. Yeah, determine what they were talking about when tricep activation. Because generally, I would think when you're using something for top end overload, it's going to be more tricep, right. you know, like reverse bands, right, or board work. So, you know, how they work, it's the, sta- it's the same type of stored elastic energy. It's more of a stored rubber band energy, mm-hmm. but it, it's similar to a bench shirt. Um, you know, the material in the bench shirt is going to be a, a cloth or, a, you know, a polyester, a, a, what's the word I'm thinking of, Mr. Bain? Uh, it's a yeah, fabric. Cloth. It's a fabric. So with, a cloth, with, poly, we've yeah. got. Yeah, it's going to be a fabric type of stored elastic right. energy versus... With a slingshot, a bench daddy, et cetera, it's going to be, you know, more of a, a rubber mm. type of stored energy. But it's it's a similar type of stored elastic energy at the bottom of the bench. Mm-hmm. So it's going to help you more at the bottom versus the top. Um, imagine, I usually tell people the bench shirt, imagine you're benching into a bubble. Mm-hmm. And you want to bring that bar down into the resistance of that bubble to get the best resistance. Right. With a bench shirt, there's usually a bubble of 
you know, kind of your touch point where you want to bring it into that optimal spot where you get the biggest amount of pop right. off the chest. Right. Um, you know, how did the slingshot, which again, Mark Bell has always basically advertised the training device. He never really a- attacked powerlifters with the exception of, again, as a training device. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was about overload. It was never like it was never meant to. He never pushed it as a, hey, we should have a competition with these. It was Although never. they've done that now. Yes. Yeah, they've done that now with the XPC at the Arnold a couple of times. He provides the, the slingshot. He provides some prize money, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's basically a slingshot bench meet. Right. Um, which is kind of interesting. Um, what Mike Womack, who invented the bench daddy, was basically the first one to make it into, we, we believe, mm-hmm. some kind of bench shirt. And he essentially created what he called the Killer B shirt. Mm-hmm which is made of knee wrap material. It's folded a little bit differently than the slingshot. It's actually not even quite the same as a Titan Ram. It's more like a twisted knee wrap. Okay. Um, it is more flush with the chest than a slingshot, but less than a Ram. Um, some To make it into a, quote, shirt, sometimes extra knee wrap material is added below it mm-hmm. and then kind of fabric sewn into that around it. Sometimes it's only knee wrap material in the chest, and the rest is some kind of odd fabric. Um, and where he's probably gotten the most wide acceptance is in the Texas High School Powerlifting Association. Interesting. Which, which was has been fairly controversial. In fact, I found a 2015 letter from Kevin Pittman, who ironically now works for Titan Sports, <laughs> um, where the Killer B bench shirt was, was thought to provide an unfair advantage and they decided to suspend the use of the shirt until the executive committee then meet. And this was back um, in 2015 was when they were going to have this, you know, executive committee meeting. And ultimately, as far as I know, these shirts have continued to be allowed. And I, I looked in the Texas High School Powerlifting Association uh, website rulebook. It's essentially the same rulebook as the APF rulebook, which is essentially the same rulebook as the old USPF rulebook. It doesn't specifically allow it. Mm-hmm. It specifically does not allow denim and canvas. Okay. Um, but it doesn't specifically disallow this, you know, knee wrap type of shirt. Uh, in talking to people that have been down there in Texas, basically what they've said is that, uh, you know, in Texas high school powerlifting, if you're not familiar, it's probably the biggest powerlifting organization in the country. Yeah. I mean, their state, maybe maybe a little bit smaller now in the U.S., USAPL, but it's very big. Um, I mean, very they very large. They regularly will get in, in a non-pandemic year seven to eight hundred boys for their state championships, mm-hmm. and five to six hundred girls. And those are just the people that qualify from regionals. Right. I mean, thousands, thousands of lifters participate in powerlifting as a school-sponsored sport. Mm-hmm. So, like IHSA in Illinois, it is you know like football. It's it, very it is, large. It is a it is a sport that is sanctioned has a season. I mean, it's it's on par with their wrestling. Yeah. And they allow, and they have allowed, because they've always followed USPF rules mm-hmm. from back in the 80s, they've always allowed single-ply equipment. Um, there's, there's been some pushback in recent years of switching to RAW, and maybe that would be an interesting episode to, to talk to somebody, maybe even Kevin Pittman, who now works for, for yeah. Titan and was involved with Texas High School Powerlifting. It would be interesting to talk to him. Maybe, maybe bring Henry, Henry Thomason back in. Yeah, that would be interesting as well. Um, Kevin Pittman, he, he was the guy manning the booth for Titan at the APF, AAPF Nationals. Oh, okay. And lifted in the meet as well, single ply. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they've always allowed single ply, and their argument is that these these Killer B bench shirts are much easier to put on in, 
easier for kids to use, which they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes kids can share shirts if you have like a meet or a smaller team that doesn't have a big budget mm-hmm. and, you know, they can't afford to get a bed shirt for every kid. Oh, sharing a shirt? Don't you know we're in a pandemic here? Well, I, maybe that won't be allowed in the pandemic. <laughs> um, and if you've never used one of these slingshot, bench daddy, Titan Ram type slangers, mm-hmm. You put, it's very easy to put on, and the support in it is very easy. It's nothing mm-hmm. like a bench shirt that requires no. much more of a distinct learning curve and a distinct groove to it. It's basically like you bring— You, you, you cannot misgroove these shirts. You, well, you probably could, but you bring it down. It provides rubber band spring, and you bench a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, Inzer had—and I, I, maybe I'll try—I I didn't have enough time to go search the Wayback Machine— mm-hmm. And look through like every screen grab or every grab they'd done at the Enzer website. There was a very short time where Enzer had uh, one of these shirts that would probably be allowed in Texas high school powerlifting. Maybe is, maybe mm-hmm. they just don't sell it on their website. It was a hybrid polyester knee wrap material bench Interesting. shirt. I think it was knee wrap material and the sides and the and the sleeves, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and then the middle was some of their polyester gear. Gotcha. And when I was told there was going to be a new product from Inzer at WPC World's WPO, you thought this was going to be very similar. I thought it was going to be one of these shirts. Gotcha. Instead, it was this very uh, this monstrosity, this monstrosity <laughs> bench training apparatus that I posted on the APF Instagram page. Yes, or excuse me, WPC Instagram or the Two XL Instagram page. It seems as though Russia in the past few years has allowed it. They call it soft equipment. Yes, or soft bench press. They, they allow just straight-up slingshots. Like, they don't even make it look like a bench shirt. Yeah, let's go like for you, it. You can just put on a slingshot or a bench daddy, or I'm sure there's manufacturers over there in Texas. Whatever. They just allow you to use that, mm-hmm. and they call it, you know, soft equipment. Right. Um, and it's a separate division. They, they hold up meets. I mean, gosh, Russia has gigantic meets Oh, well, yeah. It's, strength is a whole different culture over there. Like, Yeah, and they'll have all kinds of things. I mean, it'll be these big strength events and they'll have you well, know the wpc have, world cup they also had like art like arm like curls basically yeah they have they, they've had curl strict curl they'll have sometimes arm wrestling mm-hmm. alongside of it right um and this soft equipment bench pressing um i'm told that a number of years ago mike womack was at a meeting talked with mike sweeney wpc president and mm-hmm. asked him you know how can i get this bench daddy bench shirt allowed in the APF WPC because it's now allowed in Texas high school powerlifting. It was maybe back around 2016 WPC worlds that I remember mm-hmm. hearing about it. Um, and at the time it was thought, well, it, it just has to be a shirt. So his, and I don't know what the conversation was between Womack and, and Sweeney, mm-hmm. but I guess the message that Womack got, whether this was said or not is a different question was that all he had to do was put a fabric overlay over this knee wrap apparatus interesting howard penrose my partner has one of these killer b mm-hmm. uh like super b or i don't even know what the hell they call well, it they get, there's like a freddy krueger there's like a whole bunch of other like you know na- names like that yeah i don't know he has one that's basically a bench daddy with a fabric over it mm-hmm. and we took the wpc in fact i think it was actually wayne pullum who's the apf vice president mm-hmm. who took a look at it and said uh no that's not a bench shirt <laughs> hard pass um but very recently, like within the last few years, in fact, I had a conversation in 2019, so a year and a half ago with mm-hmm. Bill Carpenter about this. God, that was over a year ago. That's crazy. Um, very recently, the UPA started to allow them, mm-hmm. the XPC, which was a federation, then was not, and now is a federation again, I guess, kind of. Sure. Apparently, the APA, according to the Bench Study website, 
SPF and definitely Metal Militia all yep. allow these, you know, rubber band bench shirts, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, I remember the XPC allowed them, and then apparently the next year they didn't allow them, mm-hmm. and then maybe they definitely didn't allow them last year because it was an APF sanctioned event, sort of. Um, but were, the the lifts didn't count, but they were there was one person able to bench in one. Oh, really? Yes, that that was in my write up. Ah, uh, I do remember that now. So it yes. was like out of meat bench, right? So it was like, hey, this isn't going to count for a world record, but this is the the most ever in this weight class with one of these shirts on. Yeah, shirts, quote unquote. Yeah. So yeah, so they they are allowed in those organizations right now. Um, they're definitely not allowed in the APF, even though I've been asked about them many many times. <laughs> not allowed in the WPC. Um, I I don't. I'm trying to think of other multiply organizations. I doubt they're allowed in USPA. Doesn't have a big multiply division. In no, fact, they really don't. Most meets do not have multiply, but there are a few, and it's, I don't believe it's allowed in, in USPA. Um, I'm trying to think of other multiply organizations. IPA, I don't believe they're allowed. Yeah. Actually, no, they're, they're definitely not allowed in the IPA because RPS, I RPS, I don't believe they're allowed either. I don't believe so either. Because um, there was a meet recently where someone thought they could wear it and then found out, like, the week of the meet, oh, no, you actually can't. Yikes. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I talked with Bill Carpenter, I said, wow, you guys are allowing these new, you know, band knee wrap bench shirts. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, we talked back and forth. He and I talk occasionally. I used to help him with his meets when he first started. Mm-hmm. And we talked back and forth about it. And he said, well, I, I get so a few equipped lifters in my meets anymore. And equipped lifting is dying. And the XPC was well. allowing it. And so I don't really care. It's not that much different than a, you know, a super duper phenom. Um, supposedly, and, and this mm-hmm. is rumor and innuendo, and I'm not trying to throw shade on this organization, but right. one of the reasons why I was told is Metal Militia started their own organization, um, in addition to maybe some arguments with, I believe that Metal Militia as a gym was, so. in fact, I know they were associated with the UPA, mm-hmm. um, and one of the reasons why they went and started their own organization was specifically to allow these banned bed shirts mm-hmm. which they definitely do allow and we'll talk you know a little bit about whom used them a little bit later specifically mm-hmm. in one of their meets um so that's kind of how they have come to be now with mild acceptance um as as a bench shirt they're definitely not allowed in apf wpc wpo as of right now mm-hmm. um so why have others specifically the apf wpc wpo mm-hmm not allowed them as bench shirts well because we're the no fun league you guys don't want to have any fun first of all because it has because it's made of a knee wrap material right it specifically has rubber in it Mm -hmm. it's basically like putting a rubber like a thick rubber band across your chest Mm -hmm. which if you want to do i don't really care like sometimes people think like i'm hating on it or like i'm so angry about these band shirts it's not it's, it's dumb. That, it's myopic. It's idiotic. It's not that I'm mad about it. I just don't think like it's it's. It, it doesn't meet the definition of what we call a sh- right. Equipped it, it, shirt. To me, it's like the difference between raw and equipped. Like right. it's just different. And if you want to do it, I really. However, you want to lift weights is fine. Um, but it has rubber in it, and specifically yeah. in the APF rulebook, that's not allowed. In fact, I pointed out to Bill Carpenter that in his rulebook, it specifically stated that rubber was not allowed in the rulebook, and he said, mm-hmm. "Oh, I'm just going to change the rulebook." Which, hey, sure, that's tear per- it up. perfectly within his right to do so. He's the president. So what you're saying is, sure, sure, sure. Uh, no but when, when your rulebook specifically disallows that, and then, yeah, it's just allowed anyway. Like, uh, I, again, I don't care. Um, 
uh, we just we follow you, it a little bit different process. You, you just BFPI. don't agree with the with the process. Yeah, I don't agree with that process, and that's why. Uh, in a future episode soon, we're going to talk about why I continue to be associated with the APF and yep. WPC. Um, the second and, to me, most obvious reason, it's not a shirt. Correct. Let me read directly from the APF WPC rulebook, mm-hmm. which has been, this has been in the rulebook basically forever. It's constr- and this is specifically talking about shirts. Its construction may consist of multiple plies, but must, as a whole, be a singular component. The thickness shall not be designed to increase, enlarge, or enhance the body's natural musculature. And how I interpret that is that it it has to sit flush with the body. Mm-hmm. It cannot be a bubble, which is how most of these rubber band shirts, right. knee wrap shirts, sit. None of them are flush on the lifter's chest. In fact, when you see the lifters take the bench out with these band shirts on, you can see a big bulge essentially especially at the armpits and you can see the sleeves are not very tight because none of the none of the pressure comes from the sleeves into the shirt it comes from the back of the triceps think about how that slingshot works into that rubber band into that knee wrap in the chest right um the bench daddy slingshot well slingshot does not a bench shirt at all but the bench daddy ones that could basically just have a twisted knee wrap those probably are the least like a shirt, in my opinion, when I look sure. at them. I mean, just because you add extra knee wrap like that goes on the lifter's belly, um, there was like a, a, a newer company of a guy in Ohio who I know, and I believe has helped with some APF meets, and I believe it's Dark Side. Mm-hmm. And he has one that looks like a bench daddy, looks mm-hmm. like a slingshot. And I'm not, uh, he's got his own design, fine. Sure. But below that, he's got like additional knee wrap material. And it's like, you know, call that a shirt. Someone, posted one of those in the multiply powerlifting group and you know someone was like how do i seat this shirt i wanted to reply as an asshole and said well it's not a shirt <laughs> so you can call it whatever you want um rob farrell is a guy who we had who lifted wpc worlds mm-hmm. very good lifter yeah um he won best lifter at apf nationals and he, uh, he had a boost set up with the wpo and he, i had a look at his he does he actually sent me a couple pairs of wrist straps you can check out he, it's he designed some interesting stuff it's f Three customs? Uh, F8, I thought. F8 customs, yes. Look up Rob Farrell. I mean, in addition to, like, making knee wrap shirts and that type of stuff, um, he makes some knee wraps. He makes some wrist wraps. Um, He can do, like, if you send him your other regular gear, he can apparently do some alterations on it. Okay. Um, He, right now, has the closest thing that looks kind of like a shirt. If the APF WPC was ever to allow anything like these devices. It would be a model closest to his. It would have to be something closest to Rob Farrell's. Um, apparently, there's a number of companies that have come specifically to the WPO and asked, mm-hmm. like, can we get these allowed? We right. would provide sponsorship money if you guys could allow this. Hmm. And Wayne being, you know, the APF vice president is in charge of rules and equipment uh, approval, I guess, mm-hmm. and WPO president has basically said, like, XYZ. Here's the things that it needs to meet in order to be considered a bench shirt. And if you can meet these criteria, we can start to have a discussion. Right. Um, Because there's a process to this. Right. And I believe one of the main sticking points is that it needs to look like and be a shirt. Right. It needs to to be flush with the lifter's body. It Mm -hmm. needs to have sleeves and a chest plate. It Mm -hmm. cannot just be a knee wrap bubbled up on the lifter's chest. Right. And uh, 
Rob Farrell is right now the closest one. I, and I don't know all the shirts that are out there. You know, I know there's Dark Side, there's Bench Daddy, there's uh, I, I, there, there's Robs, there's there's the Inter one, uh, which is that's not even that's not even near a bench shirt. No, it's not. But again, it's still in this category, right? And so, uh, yeah, right. Uh, but and and would love to see you know more models of this because I think that there's going this is going to be a continued argument for a while. Yeah, uh, I would like to see more of them. <laughs> so I don't mean them at Bay three sixteen. Thank yeah. you. So one of the, one of my concerns with this is a liability one. Sure. When is somebody going to break their arms using one of these things? Because some of this rubber band material mm-hmm. is so freaking strong. And sure, you could say the same thing about bench shirts, but at the end of the day, that's fabric. Right. And fabric is different than the non-stretchiness of a literal rubber band mm-hmm. um, across the across your triceps and across your chest. So. As a meat director, that's one of my concerns. Mm. But but let's go through. What are the arguments for allowing them? Yeah. Um, you know, you can make the argument that open back bench shirts in and of themselves are questionable when it comes with that definition I read. To me, that's more of an argument for disallowing open back shirts than allowing the bench daddy type shirts. Correct. <laughs> so to me, if and one of the things I've considered, and I know that, and I like it, my open back shirt. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Yeah. So. This is not me hating on open back shirts, but there, especially in the age of COVID, there's something about having an open back bench shirt with a sweaty, zit-filled back of a giant super heavyweight powerlifter laying on the bench at the end of a flight. And then the next lifter is a, you know, sometimes if it's a smaller meet, a 120-pound female. And sure, we can clean the bench off, mm-hmm. but we, we make lifters wear a T-shirt on the squat and well, on the bench. They're, they're not breathing on it, so it's fine. Yeah. No, no COVID. We make lifters wear a T-shirt on the squat and the bench, but equipped lifters are allowed to wear a totally open back bench shirt. Yep. It's an easy fix. You could just... Close the back. Yeah. You could just close the back, and you could use a stretchy back material. It would still act very similar, perhaps the same. You could even still do the Velcro. You just have one large piece versus the two straps. Sure. and that the It it would change the dynamic. I get it. The old bench shirts had a had basically what was a closed neck. Mm-hmm. And then the Velcro in the back actually closed the sure. back of the bench shirt. And we've talked about that before where, you know, cutting that back of the Franz denim changed the dynamics of the shirt. If you look at what Titan does with their even single ply bench shirts, it's basically a, a Lycra type material on the back of their bench shirt. So the front right. is a polyester. The back is a very stretchy material. You could do the same thing with open back bench shirts. Basically, just put a piece of stretchy fabric across yeah. the back, like Under Armour style fabric. It's super right. stretchy, you know. Right, and it would it would act very similar, probably the same as an open back shirt. I have thought about that. That might be something just from an aesthetic standpoint that the yeah. APF, WPC, WPO maybe should consider. Um, you know, equipment like the Super Duper Phenom. They already have a super neck. It's a mm-hmm. you know a multi ply neck. And, you know, what's the difference between that and something that is a, you know, a, a knee wrap across your chest? It's still all one piece built into the shirt. And then, you know, however it's stitched in there, I don't know how that process works. But this is literally just layers and layers that are put on. And then you add, you know, more knee fabric to the bottom of it to make it look like a shirt. <laughs> Very different. It is much much easier to use. And one of the arguments I've heard that I think has validity is that it could open up equip lifting to a larger audience. This is the same argument being made in the Texas High School Powerlifting Association mm-hmm. is that, hey, it's it's easier for a high school kid to slip one of these killer B shirts on than to put on even, you know, a stretchy back single ply bench shirt from Titan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's also one of the reasons why many equipped lifters of the old style bench shirts hate them mm -hmm. is because there is literally no learning curve. And there is a large learning curve with fabric bench shirts. Fuck yeah, there is. And Anthony and I talked about this. And, and one of the things we talked about is he said, you know, am I being the curmudgeonly old lifter that says, oh, you know, things are better back in my day when we had fabric bench shirts. <laughs> and I, I get it. I, I That argument does resonate some with me because things do progress. Technology progresses. Um, you know, and lifters had said, you know, this could add hundreds of pounds to your shirted bench. So we could theoretically be seeing 13, 1400 pound benches. And that's, that's, and the, that gets to the liability concern of mine. When, sure. you, when you start to get to these super, super thick, you know, basically mm -hmm. piece of rubber across somebody's tricep and chest, um, there's a limiting factor. That's what I do like about fabric uh, bench shirts. Mm -hmm. There is a limiting factor of, it is hard to touch with them to get that stored elastic energy. Right. It's not the same with these rubber band shirts. It yeah. essentially that's it's it is a, a pure rubber spring. There's no loading mechanism where you have to quote find the groove like mm -hmm. a bench shirt. You just you bend your elbows into into the rubber and it it blasts up. Yeah. Um. So I get some of the arguments. Um. What has been the opposition to them? You know, uh, significant. <laughs> openpowerlifting.com has actually put them in their own category. And that they asked some opinions of people, and I gave my opinion very strongly against including them in Multiply. Yeah. And one of the people that helps aggregate the data on open powerlifting is Jem. Mm -hmm. uh, what's her last name? Jem from the UK that we yep. met. Yes. Uh, Jem at openpowerlifting.com. I forget her last name. I, I can uh, tell you while we're... Okay. George, Georgie, look that up. Yeah, Georgie, Georgie, look up what Jem's last name is. Um, you know, she does a lot of the computer work at some of the, the UK meets. Um, and the top 20 all ventures is full of, quote, unlimited ventures. If you split that... Jem Lucas. Jem Lucas. I thought it was Lucas, but I didn't know for sure. All good. Um, if you'd go to only multiply, that list changes significantly on mm -hmm. openpowerlifting.com. Correct. Will Beretti did 1,110 mm -hmm. this past December in a metal militia meet in one of these rubber band bench shirts, quote unquote. His previous best just a year or so prior was 975, which is an impressive bench it is. in multiply. So you're um, talking, you're, as you said, literally hundreds of pounds. Right. I mean, it, it, I, I doubt he got discernibly stronger. Um, from that 975 to 1110. Exactly. And supposedly this is not a guy who's the strongest bencher out there. I mean, again, 975 and take, very, take, in a multiply bencher, very impressive. Taking nothing away from Will. That's just yeah, that's a I lot. mean, he, he performed a lift under the rules allowed in that organization. I yeah. just don't think it's the same. Correct. Um, you know, we talked about how the WPO has been approached about these, and, mm -hmm. and essentially they've, they've put such specifications on it that – Wayne's feeling is that by the time they meet those specifications, the extra rebound, the extra that those provide relative to bench shirts is plausible to be lost. Or, and I, or at I, least minimized. Yes. And I suspect he's probably right because I think where they get that extra rebound is that, that bunching up of that knee wrap material. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, Stone... I mean, I mean, I'll ask a question. Yeah. Stone, why are you such an asshole? It's just the natural progression of gear. Right, yeah. Well, yes, I am an asshole, but apparently I run decent meets. You do run a good meet. I do run a good meet. Uh, and my argument is always, yes, multiply lifting is about lifting as much weight as possible. Mm -hmm. But we've always had limits on all gear. 
if the, quote, goal is to lift much weight as possible, why not allow elbow wraps on the bench? Well, why not just allow a fucking fork truck? Why not allow the suit legs to extend past mid-thigh? Yeah, why don't we have cyborg legs? <laughs> why not allow the benchers to extend past the elbow? Why don't we have a three-man lift and liftoff? <laughs> why not allow multiple bench shirts, not just one? Fuck it. Why not allow multiple pairs of briefs and multiple squat suits, which yeah. certainly lifters do. I've seen it before. Um, I seen it. Why not allow 10-meter knee wraps instead of just 30-meter knee wraps? Yeah. Clear- Six-ply six shirt, why not? Well, you could wear a six-ply bench shirt, supposedly. I just don't think anybody would be able to touch with it. <laughs> Uh, Just put enough know, weight on there. Look at the I mean, clearly, we've we've established that even in multiply lifting, there are limits. Mm-hmm. The bench shirt can't go below the armpit crease. Right. The bench shirt has to stay below the elbows. Um, it does have to be one shirt. It cannot be multiple shirts, you know, worn at the same time. Right. So we have limits. You just don't like where we've set them. You want to set it a different area. And that's, that's fine. That's, that, if, that's how competition works. You just have to have certain parameters around the competition you're having. Right. That, that's and what so, are. And so, sure, you know, there's the, quote, natural progression of from, you know, denim to poly and poly to knee, knee wrap. Yeah, I, it's I don't, funny you said natural or multiple. I, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I disagree because we've always set certain parameters on mm-hmm. the rules. Right. And we've all adhered to those for the most part. And if not, then we've sometimes changed the rules. And, it, again, this is not me coming at it from – I think metal militia should change the rules. I, at the end of the day, I really don't care what metal militia's rules are. Or, or any, U- the, any of these guys, XBC. Or, or UPA or anybody, XBC. Yeah. Hey, maybe I'll jump in a UPA meet in Dubuque, Iowa, and I'll throw on one of these bench daddy type shirts and Ew, do a bench. Dubuque, Iowa. Gross. <laughs> Fuck but I can tell you, I and this is not me puffing my chest out by any stretch of the imagination. P- I, puffing your bench shirt out? Yeah. I am an APF executive committee member. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a vote. I have one vote. Uh, yeah. One person, one vote. <laughs> um I will vote against these. I will voice opposition against these for as long as I'm asked and as long as I have a vote. Um, I don't think they meet the definition of a shirt. I don't think that bench shirts should allow rubber in them. Um, I just don't think it's a bench shirt. So you're a straight white male with an opinion? Wow, it's 2021, Eric. How <laughs> fucking terrible of you. Educate yourself. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> So, and I think open powerlifting is probably handled it the right way. Go ahead and put it in unlimited. And if you want to include the soft equipment division yeah. in Russian meets, cool. I mean, put a quadruple ply bench daddy apparatus on yeah. and bench 1200. I don't want to be the person that's buying the insurance policy, though, Amen. for that type of event. Because and, somebody's. And I'll be some- honest, I will do it, but I really don't want to spot one of those. Yeah, no thanks. Um, you know, when we looked at those Inzer, what what do they call it? The bench rocket? Bench rocket, yeah. You know, and they said if they want to put up, you know, $20,000 in prizes, you know, I'm sure that some lifters will show up and they'll throw one on. Yeah. You know, you, you provide ten grand in tie, prize money to Dave Hoff, he'll throw on a bench rocket. And, I bet he would. And he'd probably bench more than anybody else, whether it was being a bench rocket or whether it be in a super-duper phenom. Right, exactly. Um, I just personally prefer to stay with, you know, the benchers that we've been using. In fact, you know, I, I, it's funny because I, I always say single ply is bullshit. It is. And it's more not more that wearing single ply equipment is bullshit. It's that having so many additional equi- uh, divisions is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then if you're going to allow equipment, you know, just allow equipment. It should be raw and equipped. Right. But in some ways, I've thought about, like, should we just say, you know what? Let's go back to one layer of equipment. Let's go back to closed back shirts. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to maybe we allow Velcro in the squat in the squat suit just to ease of getting into it. Sure. But in some ways, it's like, yeah, maybe we should just go back to 
there's equipped, it's one layer of equipment, and we'll have raw, or we'll have classic raw. There's some uniformity that I like with that. Sure. And it's like, then you then you get rid of some of these discussions on, should we allow fucking rubber bands yeah. in, in the equipment? And by um, the way, if you compete classic raw, you don't have to wear anything on your knees. Right. Just, that, just throwing that out there. So... Uh, Bane, any other any other thoughts or questions for the angry Eric Stone <laughs> rubber band uh, hour long rant? Nah, I don't. I don't want to anger the old man. Uh, I mean, my my thoughts on these shirts are I, I I'm indifferent. I, I don't care. Uh, I think they're interesting. If they meet the rules of a federation, do tear it up. Why not? That yeah, that it, is al- always how I felt about. I mean, any equipment. You know, if you compete in a raw division, don't wear multiply. Just go find somewhere you can compete multiple. Yeah, if you're competing classic raw, don't wear uh, knee wraps under your knee sleeves. Yeah, you know, don't be an asshole. Um, yeah, that, so so other than that, like, I'm interested to watch how the conversation evolves and honestly how the equipment itself evolves. You know, I, I think the uh, if there's an opportunity to get your product out there, people will innovate and, you know, we, we, will, we will see some shirt that does, you know, take, take us to the next level. I don't know if these are going to be it or something else, but we will see something that will take it to the next level. I'm I'm not sure about that, but of course I've been wrong before. And again, I'm not angry about people using these things. I don't I mean Will Barrett. Congratulations for benching eleven hundred pounds. Are you fucking that, kidding me? It's that insane. Is, that's very impressive. Uh, and to I, have the stones I, to hold it over your face, right? <laughs> very impressive. I just don't think you're as strong. I don't think it's impressive as Dave Hoff's bench. Sure. And that's that's a that's a totally subjective that's, measure. Exactly. By me. And you're not going to create opinion. a whole Instagram page to call that out. <laughs> right. Exactly. So <laughs> if Metal Militia and other organizations want to carve out a niche by allowing these rubber band shirts, awesome. Have at it. Um, it's like it's like RPS and barefoot squats. Tear it up. Right. And carpets from your like parents' 1970s like living room. Yeah. Tear it up. And lots of green. Lots, lots of green. Lots and lots of green. Um, but yeah, I, it doesn't necessarily bother me. Again, when I've been asked about it, and when I've been, people have said, "Hey, when it, isn't the APF going to get on board with this?" And I can tell you that there's 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 maybe one or two executive committee members that basically would would, would be a, in favor of this. But I can tell you, as a whole, the executive board is much more curmudgeonly and older than I am. I am by far <laughs> the youngest member on the committee. Yeah, the yeah, closest yeah, is Amy Jackson. Um, who's the office manager. And she's just older than you. She, yeah, she's older than me. Um, I can tell you she is, and I don't mean conservative in a political sense, although that's probably true of her as well, sure. but she's very conservative in a changing the rules perspective. Mm. She's not much on you know changing and evolving, quote-unquote. And, she, um, and she's definitely not changed for change's sake. Yes, agreed. She she says, you know, there's if something's not, she is, has the philosophy, if something's not broke, there's no reason to fix it. Correct. Um, so it, things could change, and uh, we can talk about it in a future episode because next week we've got a couple of different choices. Uh, one of them is why APF? Yeah. Why have I chosen to spend 20 years being a part of lifting in, supporting the APF? Um, and why Bain has, I think, exclusively lifted APF? Correct. Um, I've not exclusively lifted an APF, and that's one of the reasons why I've come back to them. Yeah. Um, we, something we haven't talked about is the, is that what he ended up calling it? Was it the, it was just gear. That's the okay. title of it, just gear. Gear. Well, what was originally called the Multiply Bible, um, now is just titled Gear by Dave Kirshen. Mm-hmm. I believe released it through Elite FTS, but it's, it's a free ebook. Yep. Um, I do recommend checking that out. I'm actually getting a couple copies bound, uh, because it, it, it is, it is a significant piece of literature. 
Yeah, so that might be something Ben and I need to spend some time reading before mm-hmm. we do a review, but I would like to do a review of that. It's kind of a compilation book where he's got multiple offers, which is why he's offering it for free. In- including yours truly. Yep, yep. Um, we have been aggregating PED interviews. Yes, yes. Um, and then we've also got some other interviews. Um, and then in addition to, as a follow-up to the PED episode, we do have um, a survey that was put out by an individual that surveyed specifically female powerlifters about PED use. And they, I, and they got some flack for it. Yeah, which is, which is odd because it's just, it's just a survey. I mean, it's just information. I mean, and yes, females use PEDs just like males. Maybe yeah. not as much. I would say probably on average there's more drug-free, drug-tested female powerlifters than male. But I would agree. There's, there's plenty of females that use PEDs. Correct. Um, and we could talk about that in the episode, so I don't want to get too much into it. But we've also got some interviews that we're, we'll work on, um, as always. You know, some of those are, are kind of challenging around the holidays to get scheduled, which is why we've done more traditional episodes the last few and, weeks. But And people are kind of ramping up their, you know, whatever their businesses work, whatever, with, uh, you know, the speed in January. But, but you know, we're, we're going to get some interviews for sure. Yeah, we've got some people uh, on, the, on the docket we're going to look to interview. So, again, if you uh, love, hate, like the podcast – um, jump onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe and leave us a five-star review or rating or however how it works on all those yeah, different sites. Please. Um, it does help the show if you give us a five-star review because that will, will pump it up to other people mm-hmm. who are maybe looking at, get, Gets us know, further into the algorithm. You know, strength, uh, powerlifting-related podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Strength and Anger. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram, at Strength Anger. Yep. And if you'd like to uh, slip in Bane's DMs or slip in the Strength Anger DMs and and give us some comments on the show, we always do appreciate comments and feedback, which I think both you and I get uh, a fair amount of on a weekly we do. basis. We do, and we appreciate it. And most of the time it's just like, hey, really enjoy the podcast, enjoying hearing about history. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have some type of specific feedback, of course, um, we would love to hear it. Did you enjoy the the new segment, which is? Listen, you're being rude. You're fake. You're fake news. That's my favorite one on, <laughs> on the fake news button. Um, do you enjoy the the fake news segment? Which you know, clearly, do you enjoy stone stories, which is clearly similar to uh, what is bullshit. But I felt we needed to change it up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. So, anything else to add, Mr. Bain? That's all I got. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. <laughs>